Minister's Heart and Dominic Steele. And today, the future of the Anglican Communion with the Archbishop of Sydney, Kanishka Raffle. We are coming to you from Bunda Bible College in rural Tanzania. Last week, the leaders of churches making up 85% of the world's Anglicans met in Kigali, Rwanda, and they effectively passed a vote of no confidence in the Archbishop of Canterbury, Justin Welby. This renders his leadership, his leadership role in the Anglican Communion entirely indefensible. I want them to hear the call to repent. Uh, we, we, we don't want to break the communion. That we, we, it's their actions that have broken where we are and we, we long for them to repent. And to have heard the testimony through the week from especially the, the three African, we had two Ugandans and a Nigerian on our committee, and how frustrated they were, how um, disrespected their churches have been through mm. these two decades. Do you finally believe that we're serious? Because we rarely are serious and 80% of the Anglican communion is saying this too. We're serious because this is a first order salvation issue. Canterbury has walked away and mm. so that I think is part of the grief. It's the end of, uh, you know, it's the end of an era. It has huge implications for the Commonwealth. Mm. You know, it's not just, um, I mean it is the whole spiritual advance of the gospel, but it's much bigger. In the conference statement known as the Kigali Commitment, there was also a no-confidence motion in the other three so-called instruments of unity of the Anglican Communion, the Lambeth Conference, the Primates Meeting, and the Anglican Consultative Council. We have tried so hard to walk and wait, call brothers and sisters who have erred to account. The statement is un unambiguous. The Orthodox Global Anglican Church has spoken and uh, the instruments of communion are broken and uh, the Archbishop of Canterbury's role has ended. And the statement was even more significant because it brought together leaders from the Global Anglican Future Movement known as GAFCON, but also the wider and overlapping group Global South, meaning the communique speaks effectively for the vast majority of Global Anglicans. A massive thing has happened. The, church, the, the Anglican community is now to be reordered and reset. As uh, the new sort of born uh, Anglican communion, the renewed Anglican communion, um, we've been moving in a direction centered on the Word of God, the Bible, centered on the unity of the church, and centered on the mission of God within the Anglican communion. Also at the Kigali Conference, new leadership of this global movement was established. The primate of Rwanda, Laurent Mbanda, will be the new chairman of CAFCON. The primate of Brazil, Miguel Uchoa, will be the new vice-chair. And our guest today, Kanishka Rafael, the other vice-chair. Kanishka, the pastor's heart. And it was amazing to see so many brothers and sisters in Christ from all around the world and to think this is the people of God walking together and it's beautiful. Uh, yes, Dominic, that's exactly right. Uh, um, it's very moving. It's very humbling. Um, majority world Christians are serving the gospel in situations which are much more uh, challenging than ours in so many ways. Uh, and they're... Um, zeal for prayer, uh, their commitment to mission, um, their uh, uh, joy in the authority and sufficiency of the Word of God. Uh, these are inspiring things, and it was really a privilege to be there.
And I had person after person say to me, it's lovely, we're from different cultures and yet we have one head and we're walking together. Yes, indeed, absolutely. There's a great sense of unity in the gospel of the Lord Jesus, that we are all confessing the same Lord, uh, that we are uh, um, hearing uh, his word in the Bible um, and uh, that we're joined together in mission. Tremendous. Mm. And yet a serious matter, a grief in that it was an it's overstatement for Justin Welby. Well, I think you've put it right in your introduction, Dominic. Um, there's now been a very strong statement by the Global South primates on Ash Wednesday expressing no confidence. That has now been repeated uh, by the GAFCON primates and um, uh, the statement refers to their collaboration and in fact there was a meeting between the GAFCON and Global South primates during the Kigali conference. Uh, so um, you've clearly got the majority uh, of uh, the representation of the majority of Anglicans in the world uh, saying that they have lost confidence um, in what what you uh, what we've referred to as the instruments of communion. Um, and this has been because of departure from biblical teaching. Uh, it is because they sense that there is a, uh, um, a refusal of the authority, uh, of the sufficiency, uh, of the trustworthiness of Scripture that they can no longer um, have confidence in the existing structures. Um, and, uh, and in the majority world, there is actually a tremendous amount of affection and allegiance and honour given uh, to the Church of England as the mother church, from which so many of these nations gladly and thankfully say, the gospel came from you to us. Uh, and uh, and so there's a there's a tremendous grief. I think in a way that is almost uh, a little bit hard for Australians to penetrate because yeah. we're, we're we you know we've we've been so anti-colonial for such a long time. Yeah. Uh, it, it's kind of a little uh, uh, takes us by surprise. But I think in the majority world, the global south and those uh, um, in, including the Gafcon uh, uh, primates and the global south primates, there's just a very deep deep grief. Uh, you know, um, it was a joyous gathering, but it, in many ways it wasn't a happy one. No, you know? no. the, and, and especially uh, the people making these statements themselves feel this so personally and so deeply. And I mean, it was interesting to note that the tone in the room when the primate of Nigeria fe finished reading the statements yes. and uh, the stark contrast between the applause that uh, erupted five years ago in yes. Jer Jerusalem immediately and yes. almost deafening applause, whereas yes. it kind of felt like this is our adult duty to yeah. do, but yeah. it brings us no pleasure. No, I think that's, I think you've captured that correctly. Yeah, mm. absolutely. Now, you know Justin Welby. You had dinner with him a couple of months ago. Do you know? Yes, I, did, yes. I mean, I mean, if 80% of your people said we've lost confidence in your leadership, sure. do you know, it would be devastating. Yeah. Uh, yes, I'd resign, <laughs> in case anybody was thinking of that. <laughs> um, uh, yes, look, I'm sure he's wearing this very uh, heavily. Um, I, I think he, he knows all these people. They, they, he knows them all. Yeah. Um, they've spent time together. They've sometimes shared in ministry together. Uh, um, they've uh, talked over these very issues. Uh, and um, uh, so I'm sure he feels it. Of course, it's not personal. It is about the way these structures are working, but it is about the kind of leadership uh, that um, Archbishop Welby uh, and other bishops have offered to the Church of England, uh, especially most recently at their General Synod. Uh, and there is a sense in which uh, the uh, statement says 
um, there was a failure at that point to uphold uh, the authority and the trustworthiness and the goodness of Scripture, and that on that account, um, uh, you know, they're expressing no confidence. I mean, that's devastating to think that's what he's going to go down in history for. Um, when you think Archbishop Cramner went down mm. in history for positively saying that, and he's going to go down in history for the reverse. History will unfold, no doubt. So what happens now? Well, the uh, the Kigali commitment and the Ash Wednesday statement by the Global South uh, primates um, basically say that the unity of Anglicans is rooted in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, and that therefore, um, while we have had a... We're Anglicans, after all. You know, we don't have a pope. Yeah. Uh, and so the communion has actually been an exercise in fellowship and collaboration by consent. Yeah. And now you've got... Um, the leaders of uh, the majority of Anglicans in the world saying, we no longer consent to these structures. Uh, we don't believe that they are being driven um, by the scriptures uh, uh, or that they are serving the authority of scripture. Uh, and so um, they've essentially withdrawn their consent from yeah. that process. And they have said, uh, we will collaborate with each other uh, to create alternative forms of fellowship, especially because... Um, they are very keen, uh, very committed to global mission. Yeah. That's what it's all about, really. You know, the, the, these conversations about the place of Scripture in the life of the church are things which most of them regarded as settled. Yeah. Uh, and so they're saying, well, um, we have a mission that has been entrusted to us by the Lord. Uh, we need to pursue that mission. And our fellowship as Anglican provinces around the world is to serve that purpose. That's yeah. what it's for. Um, now, we can't be in mission with people who don't acknowledge the scriptures in the same way, yeah. uh, uh, but set them aside. And so those of us who are um, committed to that, we will proceed. And so they've uh, undertaken in those statements to, um, to collaborate to that end. So it's easier to be in opposition than in government. <laughs> How does that happen? <laughs> well, I think... Uh, as I say, the, the, the communion is essentially a consensual fellowship. Yeah. And so the conference itself was an opportunity for people to meet each other, to talk about various projects. I mean, we're here in, uh, um, in the Bunda Bible College because we have a uh, Anglican aid, uh, has a uh, relationship here. Uh, and, um, and so these kinds of partnerships, uh, um, sharing of resources, um, uh, working together in a, in a mutually encouraging and mutually upbuilding way uh, that's thoroughly doable, yeah. thoroughly Christian, thoroughly Anglican. Yeah. Um, it's it's really it's one of the geniuses, <laughs> genii yeah. of the uh, Anglican Communion that we have that opportunity, and I think that will just that will continue, but it will be apart from these sort of uh, um, administrative structures uh, that have in effect ceased to serve the mission. Right. So it's just kind of ignoring them. Essentially, that's what I think it is. Right. What do you think it's going to mean for Australia and for the Diocese who lead Sydney? Uh, so the Diocese of Sydney uh, is an integral part of the Anglican Church of Australia. We're very committed to seeing the gospel promoted across our nation uh, through the Anglican Church of Australia. We won't, uh, uh, we won't um, change our stance in that regard. Uh, in one sense, uh, we've always had a certain... Well, the, the nature of our national fellowship is fairly loose. The constitution of the Anglican Church of Australia is much looser uh, than, say, for example, in New Zealand or in the, Amer in the United States, 
uh, which is partly why these tensions haven't resulted in the kinds of uh, uh, kinds of things that we've seen in other places where there's a kind of coercive aspect in the constitution. Yeah. In one sense, we're able to uh, kind of um, operate within a national structure that doesn't ask us, uh, doesn't agree. ask too much yeah. of each other. It allows opportunities for things yeah. to grow. And of course, we have great fellowship and great partnerships with uh, people and dioceses around the country. Um, so in one sense, I think we've kind of been managing this sort of process for a while. Uh, it will, we will continue to have, as we have had, um, engagement with the Global South and, and certainly with GAFCON uh, into the future because it provides the opportunity for us to share with our brothers and sisters in the majority world um, uh, to share in the mission of the gospel together. And Sydney, uh, thank God, has a global uh, intent. It, it has a desire to see the gospel promoted not just in our diocese, not just in our nation, uh, but across the world. And you know, we're, we're, when you come to a place like Tanzania, uh, they say to us, you are known as a diocese for wanting to see the gospel go around the world. Uh, and I'm just so thankful for yeah. that. You know, that's something we've inherited. It's something precious. It's very long-standing, and I expect it to continue and develop. Yeah. Well, let's just talk about Tanzania for a couple yeah. of minutes. Um, uh, you're here as the president of Anglican Aid, and I happen to be with a group of 19 people yeah. on a Anglican Aid trip through Tanzania, sure. and we've kind of been overlapping and crisscrossing each day. Um, it's been quite an overwhelming experience. Uh, yes, it is. I mean, I think it's it's a bit of a uh, sort of deep immersion yeah. <laughs> in a short space of time. Uh, but across, uh, you know, we, we kind of arrived on a Saturday night and all of us were at churches on Sunday, local local churches uh, in local language. And uh, um, it was quite something to see people who really live uh, in a, uh, a, a, at a level of sort of socioeconomic development, which is much less than we are accustomed to. Uh, and um, to come into those places, to be welcomed so warmly, uh, to have, I don't know how many choirs I've heard, yeah. and they're youth choirs. <laughs> well, let's just describe um, Sunday afternoon in Tarimi. Yeah. And uh, uh, I was just there. There's probably 400, 500 people in the room. <laughs> The music was very loud. It was kind of K-pop um, <laughs> meets Jesus, and uh, yes. and and very energetic. And there was perhaps two hundred people. You'd almost call it a mosh pit. <laughs> and, and and I looked up over this mosh pit, and there was you. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I mean, that, there was a, I mean, this was a choir festival that was called at short notice. It's the rainy season here, yeah. and uh, you'll recall that it absolutely bucketed, bucketed down. down. And um, they don't they, normally they don't have windows. No, no, no windows in the church, and they don't normally have choir festivals uh, at this time of the year for exactly that reason. <laughs> uh, but these people had come from all over the diocese. Uh, to be together. There were um, youth choirs, there were mothers' union choirs, uh, and uh, um, it was really just a, a wonderful and very humbling occasion. But the joy, the joy that people have in Jesus in the midst of really challenging circumstances of ordinary daily life, 
I mean, that was very humbling. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and just a, a, a tremendous honor to be welcomed in such a way, to be embraced uh, with such warmth. Um, I mean, it's unforgettable. We were hearing from uh, Bishop Mawita um, of Tereme of the deep links that Australians have had uh, through CMS and through Anglican Aid yeah. with Tanzania yeah. since 1929. Australia. 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 Bishop is our friend, is our brother in Christ. No, that's right. Yeah, so CMS Victoria and CMS New South Wales, especially, but CMSA, uh, have been sending missionaries here for a long time. And um, tremendous today. I, I, think, uh, I think this week I've met three bishops who say they were uh, taught by um, Helen Hoskins, uh, Canon Helen Hoskins, very uh, honoured and loved yeah. uh, servant of the Lord and dear to us in Sydney as well, of course. Um, and uh, uh, um, Dorothy Prentison uh, has been here with us, Hugh, at home. Uh, and again, many clergy and bishops uh, just delighted to greet uh, their old teacher. Uh, and those connections go very deep and go a long way back. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so although... Uh, I'm here um, kind of two years into being Archbishop. Uh, I'm really representing a very long relationship, especially with this nation. Uh, and uh, I feel very, just very privileged to be able to do so. And, and also just as the president of Anglican Aid, I mean, it has been amazing to see the different uh, projects that they're doing here. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Well, yesterday I was at the um, uh, Shalom School, a uh, primary, pre and, pre-primary and primary school, uh, in uh, in the diocese, and um, uh, you know, fantastic facilities there. Five, six, and seven years. Five, six, and seven uh, board in the school, so they have dormitories uh, newly built. And today we're at the Bunda uh, Bible College, which um, has uh, it's about thirteen years old. Yeah. Uh, but uh, you know, there's the library. We've um, been able to supply computers there. There's a couple of new toilet blocks for uh, students and faculty. They've got seventy students here. It's amazing. Uh, and they all live here. It's residential. Um, and uh, uh, um, we, had our, we had our lunch in one of the, the double classrooms um, that, uh, that we've been able to build as well. Uh, and it, it, it's really, uh, it means so much to them, but it, it, it's such a privilege. Uh, and I should say about 60 students are sponsored yeah. um, as well. And so, you know, people, especially uh, um, people supporting the Archbishop of Sydney's Anglican Aid uh, and um, and others as well, uh, providing sponsorship for students here to be trained uh, in the scriptures, in pastoral ministry. And these 70 students, they all go to local churches on the weekend. They generally spend the whole weekend. Uh, on Saturday, they go evangelising in the district, uh, knocking on doors and visiting people in their homes uh, and preaching the gospel, sharing the gospel with people, and then um, on Sunday, ministering uh, in their local church. Uh, so it's wonderful to be able to support them in that work, uh, in their preparation. And they, the, the, the college choir sang a terrific song, which yeah. they'd obviously written for us, you know, saying, uh, uh, saying thanks to Anglican Aid. And I couldn't work out any of the other words except the word sponsorship. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the first time I've ever heard that word in a yeah, in a choir song. Uh, um, but uh, you know, um, uh, the harvest uh, the harvest is ripe, but the workers are few. 
And uh, um, so... Scholarship, yeah, yeah, yeah. Great yeah. to be able to support them. We shall preach it in the sport to the nations and fulfill those apart. And we heard a remarkable interview from a young man yeah. telling his story from jail to coming to Christ to... Um, <clears throat> Uh, theological to Bible college here yeah. and being sponsored by uh, St. Mark Sadlier in the yes. suburbs of Sydney yes. through Anglican Aid, his whole th- three year course. My name is Rita Frank What I told my priest is that I want to be a church minister because God has sent me from bad circumstances. I was sent to jail, in jail for a year and three months. But after the, uh, after the investigation, they saw that uh, I don't have any mistake. From that day on, I saw that it's good to uh, be with God in all my life. Mm-hmm. They only saw that God is my refuge, my, my help. He said that when he came here, he's not speaking English properly. David Morgan, the rector, is here, and so he was able to share with the whole group and with all the students uh, about the joy of the Sadlier Parish, you know, to see pictures of Frank, and uh, of course they'll be seeing a little bit of video after uh, after this week, and how heartwarming uh, to be able to share that um, this parish in Sydney uh, has got a vision for global mission, every year dedicates a particular Sunday uh, to uh, a project, and, and they are very prayerful about Africa in particular. And um, that's right, providing in a single Sunday, providing uh, the scholarship for uh, Frank for his three-year diploma. What a, what a great story it's that amazing. is. It's amazing. And, I mean, I think for me, the, the privilege of today was just I'd heard about these Bible college scholarships, but they'd kind of been an academic issue. Um, Whereas it suddenly became concrete as I met student after student. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Other highlights of the week? I I think I've just been so humbled uh, by the costs that an ordinary pastor, an ordinary bishop uh, in Africa makes for the sake of the gospel. Uh, on Sunday, uh, we I uh, went to a parish with uh, Bishop Muita. Uh, he told me that was his first parish, and when he went there in 1986, he had to walk. And a- as we'd driven everywhere around uh, uh, around the diocese, the three dioceses that we visited, uh, you notice constantly people are walking uh, on the roads, and that is because there is no other form of transport. Uh, you know, there are no government buses. Other buses are irregular or expensive. If you can't afford a bicycle, and most people can't, they walk everywhere. And so pastors, uh, I think uh, we met a pastor who, who walks 20 kilometers uh, to get to his church on Sunday, and he goes there three times a week. Um, and so he walks 20 kilometers there and 20 kilometers back. Uh, and um, these things are really accepted as the circumstances of life, um, and God is good, uh, Jesus is Lord, his gospel must be proclaimed, uh, his people must meet together to hear his word and encourage one another. And so whatever it takes, that's what they do. I, it's just very, very humbling. Thanks for talking to us. My guest on The Pastor's Heart, Kanishka Rafal, the 
Archbishop of Sydney and the new Vice Chair of the GAFCON movement. You've been with us on The Pastor's Heart and we'll be back next Tuesday afternoon.